Hey, Nar Nation. This is Josh, your host as always, and we're doing something a little different. So we pre-recorded an episode uh, at uh, Big Creek free ride downhill area about a week ago. It was an awesome episode. Had some technical difficulties, unfortunately, with the mics. I got the new mics. I got them working in my office. And then as soon as I brought them to a remote location, it seems like all the configuration was messed up and I couldn't get them working. So still on the same audio quality, but um, working through the mic stuff. Uh, something about two mics is just really uh, difficult these days. So anyway... I'm excited for you all to listen to that. But before that, just thought I'd catch you guys up on the new year so far, what's been going on. For those of you that don't know, by the way, uh, one of the listeners, buddy of mine, uh, the mechanic, we call him, he didn't realize we were on other platforms other than Spotify. And yes, we are on Apple. Uh, personally, actually, I use Apple to listen to a lot of my podcasts. I, I like the format and UI of it. Um, we are on all major podcast platforms, wherever you may listen to your podcast, there's like tons of them. So definitely know that. Uh, but I know most people use Spotify, so that's why I mention it a lot. And uh, we use Anchor, uh, Spotify for podcasters platform. So probably should give them a shout out as well. But as uh, we're looking at the new year, the writing has been pretty decent. Uh, we recently have gotten a lot of rains here in Georgia and it's getting pretty cold. We've got some freeze thaw coming on. So not as frequent as I'd like, but was able to uh, do a shakedown ride on the new Ibis Ritmo AF. Uh, well, not new to me. Uh, it's the same bike, but new carbon wheels. Shout out to Spokex, as always, for the sweet carbon wheels. Uh, and they have the i9 hubs. And then we also tried out the shorter cranks, the GX165. 165 yeah that's right 165 cranks went from 175 to uh nx cranks to 165 gx and i have to say it's great experience uh the wheels are definitely lighter notice the rolling speed they're stiffer uh which uh definitely not as compliant as the alloy i had but lifetime warranty is pretty sweet i put them through the ringer on the xc and the downhill definitely hit a lot of rocks rode cush core in the back no cush core in the front and yeah, they seem to be holding up, uh, definitely case some stuff and, and put them through the test. So that has been good. And the cranks, not a huge difference. I mean, I definitely noticed uh, the clearance, the ground clearance, so less pedal strikes. Notice a little bit quicker cadence you got to have. But as far as like major seat issues or height or um, anything like that, seemed pretty fine to me. So pretty easy to get used to. So, yeah, so far so good on those. 
I did have some more issues, unfortunately, bike wise. So my rotors turns out I've uh, been breaking a lot of the past couple of years and my Hayes Dominion rotors, 203s are worn down. Um, they were way below the required, uh, uh, millimeter width, uh, when I got looked at the bike shop and so I'm getting some new rotors and then on the alchemy short travel bike, uh, had some play in the rear, had to true the wheel, but then I noticed there was some wiggle and it was actually the pivot. So a lot of times when you have some issues, um, you think it's coming from somewhere and it's somewhere else is the rear pivots and the bearings are worn out. So we went about a year and a half. Well, yeah, maybe a little, a little less than a year and a half on that, um, since new and just a wearable item that we've got to replace. So working on that. And then, uh, just while I'm talking about Big Creek, since we were riding there, I've noticed the police are there a ton, which is kind of good, right? When you leave stuff in your car or whatnot, it's good that it's patrolled. But I feel like a lot of the police are just there kicking back and, and looking on Facebook or Instagram. I don't know. But uh, it seems to be their secret hideout. Um, there's always someone just chilling back there. But it is some nice peace of mind. We also at Big Creek got to do uh, some party laps. So when we did this episode we did some rides with some of the Narnomies and brethren came out. It was super fun. We got to uh, do some filming. So there's a guy, Ben Loken, who uh, actually is a, uh, a professional filmmaker and does documentaries and all that. And he's been on the, the uh, brethren text thread for a while and, you know, just moved back here from living outside of Georgia and, uh, super cool to meet him. He's the uh, founder of Sunday House Productions. So be on the lookout. They'll be dropping their new website soon and some sweet footy of Big Creek free ride area and some jumping. It was pretty funny because we brought a group of us out there and then we ran into a bunch of uh, young shredders out there and he quickly changed the camera angle from us to them, which I don't blame him. And they were doing some crazy stuff, whips, bar humps, Sueys, no handers. It was nuts. When you put a camera, like a pro $15,000 rig on a kid, they will pull out all the stops. Of course, you know, we told them we were from Vital MTV, so that probably helped too. But that was a super fun day. Got to record the podcast, got to do a little biking, and um, got to do some filming and hope to do more of that uh, for sure. I think we need a Narnemi's documentary. What do you guys think? Tell uh, Ben Loken uh, to. To, to make it happen. And on that ride too, uh, we had a bunch of guys out there. One in particular was uh, the lawyer and he uh, had a business meeting before and got a little boozy at lunch, just a couple drinks, but it loosened him up and he decided to double uh, the double on slalom and got a little uh, hyphy and uh, cased it and <laughs> went OTB and cut up his leg on the pedal and then skinned his knees pretty bad bruised uh it was a pretty gnarly crash but he's okay uh thank goodness but he's sending it man i would never attempt that double and he was uh he had the liquid courage to to rock it not me though i am uh, dry uh this new year at least for a couple months so uh didn't have that excuse so as far as other rides uh did 
did a ride around the Beltline. I had some business meetings in town and so got to do that and try out the new road bike that was given to me by my brother-in-law. Shout out Par Cycles and my father-in-law. Um, and man, it's fun. Like it's definitely different. Uh, I'm not going to be a road biker, but I do like riding the paths with sans cars and riding and drop bars with those tires, those road tires, man, you can cook. And we stopped at the skate park, uh, near Krog street, I believe, or not Krog street. Um, uh, you know, one of those market areas, uh, whatever they call them, uh, off the belt line and sent some ramps and some rollers and half pipe on the, the drop bars. It is scary. Definitely a different feeling having those narrow bars. I only have half the drivetrain working right now, so it's stuck in the, the harder cog, but it works fine. Just got to get up and treat it like a like a, a single speed and uh, not trying to put a lot of money into it. But I do think I need a shorter stem and a riser stem because definitely feeling some neck pain from that. But really like it, and it's been raining a lot, so I may use that as an alternative means to, to stay in bike shape. And uh, have some fun with it. So, super light bike, so you can really get get going uh, very quickly. But yeah, it was a fun ramble. Got to go around, uh, check out different areas, all the murals and artwork and graffiti and all that. That's I think it on the riding side. Like I said, not crazy amount of riding. Oh, the other thing at Big Creek is uh, pretty cool. I post on Instagram a lot of wildlife. Got a raccoon middle of the day, just sitting there chilling. Uh, hanging out with me, got some pics of that and the hawk and just, you know, it's getting so cold. They're more active during the day, looking for food, trying to stay warm. So definitely keeping out on the, the cool wildlife you see out there. The uh, Murray bros, part of the, the guy, the leaders of the brethren uh, just found out and Chuck uh, that they got into Leadville. Congrats guys. This is huge. Uh, they definitely are going to have to start uh, coming with the weekday warrior, myself and some of the other guys, uh, they're not going to get away with their dirt church seven mile loop on Sundays anymore. They're going to have to start putting in some serious training. Of course, uh, Stephen said that uh, El Chapo said that he's got a trainer, and I said, no, 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 that's not going to cut it. We got to, we got to get you on the real single track, um, some real riding. So, hopefully, they uh, commit to it and uh, look forward to hoping to see them get the buckle this year out at Leadville. And then the other thing that just kind of randomly popped up, I'm starting to see all these, not necessarily new, new to me, uh, groups in the riding scene around Atlanta. And one is the Atlanta Courier Collective. Really cool group of guys, mostly drop bar riders, fixies, total hipsters, but they, uh, they do group rides. They actually do races like they're pretending to courier and have different checkpoints and all this stuff. And because of the weather, they've been doing these night um, races kind of on the trainers and to rock music like heavy metal and just uh, competing it out. It looks really cool and really fun. So, yeah, just another group to check out on Instagram. Uh, looks like a pretty cool scene and you know, I'm a, I have a drop bar bike now, so I got to keep tracks of all ends of biking. My boss actually went to New Zealand over the holidays, which was really cool and got to do a ton of mountain biking. He went heli biking, heli biking. Uh, so the helicopter took him to the top, uh, did that, did paragliding, did a lot of bike parks, ski resorts, as well as pedal, 
he said it's incredible. It's a must. Uh, you have to go. The food was great. The people are awesome. Uh, weather was great. Just perfect kind of mountain weather. It's their summer right now, but he was in the mountains, so it was not too hot. And on the South Island, uh, he definitely said Queenstown is the is the place to be. Um, but of course, they went to Rotorua. They went to all the big stops where they have World Cups and everything like that. So. Uh, got to ride zeroed bikes, the gearbox uh, bikes, full suspension, downhill and enduro bikes, and got to meet the owner and said it was really cool. And they're doing some really unique things. Definitely a different bike to ride, and he really enjoyed it. So we're starting to see more of those in the States. So definitely keep your eyes on that. And then I think that's about it as far as latest news. I've uh, been rock climbing some lately because of the rains. Um, probably won't get in a ton of biking this week. Probably look to next week. Um, but we do have some more guests lined up, so we'll have some, some cool uh, more episodes to hit on here soon. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce the uh, this episode. And uh, we have a person named Scott O'Donnell who we got to be on the podcast. And like I said, it was recorded last week. Scott, really cool guy. So he's been on the Brethren text thread for riding for a while now. And one of the one of the quieter ones on the text thread. And there's a few of these guys that are on there that are like, who are these people? And a lot of them I don't even know. And I didn't know Scott at all until we met for this podcast, which is a really cool experience to be able to interview someone and really not know anything about them. We did keep it mostly biking related, but before we talked, I got to know him personally and uh, just an amazing person. Uh, so I'm excited to listen for you to listen to this episode. We're titling Automatic for the People. Uh, you'll see why. I think it's actually automatic for the people, y'all. And uh, his his stories of mountain biking. The guy's been mountain biking like since the 90s. Unlike most of us, he's always kind of had an attachment to it and infatuation with it and has done it for a very long time. So you get to hear about all the different bikes, all the different trails, all the different places around uh, the country he's been to ride. Uh, and it's just really cool to look back in history um, through all this. So I'm really excited to uh, to talk about this. And then we got to ride some together, and uh, which was really enjoyable. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode of Automatic for the People, y'all. What's up, NAR Nation? This is the NAR Nomi's MTV podcast. I am your host, as always, Josh, and we have a very special episode for ep episode 34. It's a new year, and I tried to get the mics working. I got these new mics, had some technical difficulties, and I don't want to waste any more time because we have a, a, a fun-filled couple of hours. We are doing some party laps at Big Creek, and we got a pretty big crew from the Brethren, uh, NAR Nomi's team, coming out here to ride, and got out here a little earlier with a special guest to get a podcast in a new a new person uh joining the podcast uh, he's been a part of the brethren group for a while and this is a really cool one because i also have never uh met this person before to my knowledge and we are it's going to be extra fun because a lot of these i know the person i'm interviewing and so it's uh, a little less of an interview in some ways because I know a lot of stuff already and it's a repetitive. This is all fresh. And this person also gets the award for the most prepared uh, person to come to the, the podcast and came with a whole list and his 
experience in mountain biking goes way back to the old days. So without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce Mr. Scott. Welcome, Scott. Thanks a lot for having me. Pleasure yeah. to be here sitting in beautiful Big Creek country. That's right. We're on the trail next to uh, uh, Hollywood, I think this is called, their new big jump trail. We just saw a guy rip it right next to us. It was pretty cool. And um, it's chilly. It's a little cold. We're, we're braving some chilly temperatures. But after this podcast, we will uh, warm right up. I feel like when we get some laps, some party laps with the crew on. So, yeah. So let's get right into it. Um, I don't know what happened to your email, but we will hit your talking points and uh, you know them better than anyone. So why don't you tell us, just start with a little bit about yourself, um, you know, uh, how you got into mountain biking, you know, just the, the beginning stages stuff. Yeah. Back in the day, early 90s, you know, 93, 94, we started going to Soap Creek with my dad and then seventh grade got into middle school and would get dropped off over there and ride our little GT bikes up in the woods and half the time get picked up by the dad that dropped us off and then half the time we'd have to take Spalding to Dalrymple back to his house and cruise the side of the road to get home but that was a lot of fun and my dad was in it and then a lot of friends from growing up were in it and kind of used it as an activity to get outside and be in nature, which we all love and enjoyed so much. And what age was this that you were getting into? We were like 12 and 13. So it was 93 going into seventh grade. Those were the, the early days of mountain biking, early days, not no rear suspension and treks and probably not much front suspension either back then. No, not much like three inches of travel at most. And, were you living in Atlanta? Living in Atlanta and grew up here and grew up off Spalding Drive and Holcomb Bridge and parents still live there and went to St. Jude's Elementary and then Marist for high school and really got into it there with some good friends that I still ride with now. That's cool. That's cool. So uh, I was looking at your your uh, talking points and it seems like you guys had a lot of rogue trails or a lot of like honey holes or places because a lot of the stuff you were saying I, I didn't even recognize because um, when I was so I biked back in the 90s too in Atlanta I grew up in the Buckhead area and all we did was Soap Creek and occasionally we came here to Big Creek of course they were both very different back then um, and then we would do backyard trails but we didn't have a lot of like rogue places or just other places to go so I'm curious to hear about where all you went. Yeah, I mean, a big memory is North Georgia near Amalokalola Falls. It was Frosty Mountain. And my dad took my buddy and I, Michael, up there. We were 14. And I had a old GT. Dad had a Trek. It was gray and purple. And Michael had an old Rocky Mountain. And we camped out the first night. And then the next morning, it was a climb over Frosty Mountain that was no better word than arduous 1200 mi- 1200 feet in elevation gain straight up ran out of water was this a hiking trail i've never part, even heard of frosty mountain part four service road okay and then part single track up and over okay. and then back down and it was longer than we thought and end up 
losing my dad for like an hour. He was a little bit behind us because we took the Forest Service Road down. And uh, best place to find someone is go back to where you last saw him. So we turned around. So you were, it was you, just you and your dad? And my buddy, Michael. So, but you and your buddy lost your dad. Just, so the two of you stuck together and had to go searching. Yeah, came back, called, called, and went back to where we last saw him at the fork in the road, down at the bottom of the valley before we were about to climb Frosty and found him. And then the arduous ascent took place after that. And no telling how long it took, but we ran out of water and had to grab water off of a trickling tree and creek coming down the side of the, the hill. and made it back to the uh, campsite right at the bottom of Amicalola and made a fire and ate and refueled. But that was one of the best memories growing up kind of prior to college. And then... Have you been back there since? No, we still talk about it, though. However you need to do a reunion. That back, was. I wonder if you can even bike that trail legally now, you know? Because I've never heard of it. And a lot of them, they're like sanctioned hiking oh, yeah. only or ORB or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or be, yeah. we need to look at it. Reunion. Yeah. 30 years later. That's right. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So you rode soap back in the 90s. So you probably remember how gnarly and different it was than compared to nowadays. It was down by the river where there's that big overgrown field. That used to be trails through there. So you could cut the gravel path from the river to the other side of the forest and ride all through there. And there used to be a bathroom back there, hmm. a little Adirondack house and all that's gone and then natural preserve now. But it was a fun place. We'd get dropped off over here and or over there and explore and get lost in the woods. And we loved it. So that was most of your high school experience. Um, any other, before we move on to college, any other uh, high school good high school stories or trails we would go to yellow river too back in high school and then really got into that after college but yellow river and really just soap creek and then kind of neighborhood trails and staying on our bikes till dark you know what's funny is a lot of people did yellow river josiah was a big yellow river rider back in the day and i don't know what happened but i mean no one goes there anymore because i don't know if you've been recently but it is not that great it's pretty overgrown it's not taken care of um MTB Atlanta recently took over the Gwinnett Trails uh, this past year, and it really hasn't changed. They haven't, they've been focusing a lot of their time in the south of Atlanta, um, but the northeast side of Gwinnett has been really underserved. And while like Harbin's, Tribble Mill, Yellow River, they're all out there, they just, no one goes to them. And it's kind of a shame because I hear back in the day, I never did it, but Yellow River back in the day was the spot. It was it was great. I haven't been in a while, probably five years, but there was a section, there were horse trails and still are, but there was a section where you could get to the top, come along a ridge line, and then you'd go all the way down to Yellow River, but you'd connect some trails, come through a meadow, and it was such a steep, fun little connection of the meadow, and all of a sudden it would come into the woods, and you'd be going so fast, you know, just because you were going down the hill, all of a sudden you're flying up in the into the woods and back into single track. So we were able to link up some connecting trails and we would go there all the time. I lived off North Druid Hills after college and it was just a quick jaunt over to past Stone Mountain and and there. But that's cool. Kind of Chicopee in high school a little bit also, but otherwise it was really Soap Creek and parking up by the Atlanta Country Club and coming down that way by the lake or just down on columns 
drive opposite Powers Ferry entrance. So, yeah. So now we're segueing into your, your college years. Where'd you go to school? Went to University of Georgia in Athens and spent time there. And we figured out pretty quickly that a North Campus business school down to South Campus. You couldn't make it on a bus and you couldn't make it by foot in a 15 minute bell increment. So I was forced to ride a bike to make it to class on time and not be late. So that was a fun way to get places. And otherwise you were late because yeah. the bus would stop four times before it got to the south end of campus. And so it was uh, a necessity. necessity. It was a necessity were, to bike. Yeah. A lot of bikes. Because <laughs> a lot of people, like, you know, when they get to college or driving, they kind of throw the bike away for a while. Mm -hmm. But you, it was your necessary tool at the time. Yes, and a lot of fun. And ended up being a lot of bikers there. And there was a greenway off of our house on the east side that we'd ride after class. And then, I don't know, y'all have probably heard of Weaver D's old barbecue. I haven't, food. no. But I'm, I haven't been to Athens much, believe it or not. It was this little old cinder block building, best barbecue and collard greens you could eat. And we'd ride over there and the creature comfort guys kind of played on it with him and REM that automatic for the people is what he would say when you came up to get your order. No way. He wouldn't say how you doing or, you know, what would you like? Barbecue plate, sandwich. He'd say automatic. That's funny. What are you going to have? And then you'd tell him, he'd say automatic for the people. So that's the album for the rem one of their albums and then that is wild i didn't even know that creature comforts has got that automatic pale ale and if you look on the can it's got the old brick building and the street sign of where weaver d's was back on the east side of athens wow dude that's crazy it's funny because i have a neighbor that lives near me that uh he he was so pissed because he was friends with some of the guys that started Creature Comfort, and they asked him to invest early on, and he never did. Man, he's regretting that. Total, total <laughs> Those guys have, have done it right. So, did you ever do uh, Heritage? Because I've never, I've spent haven't spent much time in Athens, but one of our other brethren riders, Chuck, lives near Athens, and I always see him on Strava doing Heritage, and he said there's some pretty cool stuff over there. It was incredible. That's where we would go to, not far from campus, like. 15 minutes, 20 minutes towards Watkinville, Watkinville, and you were there. I think it was like a 14-mile loop, a couple creek crossings, and we'd go there a lot after school, still getting out early, 1 o'clock class, and go hit it in the afternoon or even on the weekends. And then that's where, that's where they'd have the qualification to ride in the Criterium downtown on the Navi tires for the mountain bike guys. So... I raced a little bit in some of those Heritage Park races and, you know, friends were supposed to come see us and watch and sister and they'd show up when the race was over because Friday night in Athens was usually later than midnight. Yeah. And the races would start at 8, 8.30. Wait, so you're saying the criteriums wouldn't be downtown, they would be at the park? They'd have to go qualify, the mountain bike guys Okay. would have to qualify at Heritage Park to be able to enter into the classification for the criterium. Downtown. So would they do it in the parking lot or what was it like? Like they would ride their regular mountain bike tires on the course. On the trail. On, on the trail. Oh. To qualify for the race the following for the road month criterium for the race. road for the road. Interesting. Yep. Okay. I never did it. I you know, raced over there, but you know, there was some pro guys riding and racing. But yeah, they would go in the woods, hit that fourteen mile loop. I think it was, and whatever 
top 20 time trial would make it into the Criterium downtown for that first leg before the road bike guys. And would they ride their mountain bikes in the crit? They would. It'd be mountain bike, but they'd switch out the tires and have street BMX 26-inch wheels and just go flying through with their straight bars. and Competing against drop bar road bikes. Different different race okay different so the, separate cr- they would go okay. before the drop bar they don't still do that bike. do they i don't know i looked recently that would be fun to know. watch i've never seen a flat bar crit on mountain bikes <laughs> totally. i i don't know i wish they did it it'd be totally fun but that's what it was and what a good weekend and spring of athens like one of the you know best times of the year but that's where they would race and then qualify for that and i had no idea that 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 athens race has been going on that long for those of you who don't know athens georgia obviously uga is out of there and they have this famous um night race where they go around a city square and um flying like nascar style in big packs and race in circles and it is some of the gnarliest wrecks some of the most intense riding to see it's super dangerous it's it's really crazy um to watch and funny enough my brother-in-law um who owns a bike shop he put those on and i he get, let me be a pace car a lead car for one of those races and i was um just telling scott that was a crazy thing to be in a car and do let alone a bike in a pack of people and he stopped because he broke his neck and had a bad accident but um you want to talk about exciting to watch like those are wild taking really fast corners yeah absolutely um so did you ever do yargo much in college no we kind of discovered it after okay. college and then our buddies that summer of 06 07 couple years out of college we loved yargo that's still probably one of my favorite flowing tracks and we'd go every weekend in the summer and i really enjoy it there and didn't know about it in college and then rode after and since but that's a that's a great section of woods and kind of flat like athens but still has some ups and downs and really flowy it's that's definitely one of my favorites yeah and then so from there what happened from after, yeah, after Athens, my first year, fall of my sophomore year, I transferred out to Missoula at the University of Montana and did a student exchange program just nationally. And 10 students from Athens went out there and 10 or 12 from Missoula came to Athens and you got to pay in-state tuition wherever you were. And I went out and took a couple business classes and forest ecology and they all transferred back to Athens and you know applied to your major but that was just I had to get out of town that was the west the mecca and I wanted to go to bike and fish and snowboard and that was that was one of the coolest places I've ever been I'm incredibly jealous because I love Montana I've been to a lot of places in Montana out west in general and I always said if I uh, came or, or started up again the new life that's where it'd be somewhere out there so that had to be that had to be just an awesome experience it sounds like you like the things i do which are like i don't ski a snowboard i ski but snow sports um fishing biking like you couldn't ask for a better place it was it was incredible we drove out there and stopped in st louis had our bikes on the back of the jeep got out in st louis and touched the arches and then couple more days we pulled into missoula montana and you know clark fork river runs through it there's the bitterroot national forest 
and the rattlesnake wilderness was like 10 minutes outside of town. So you could leave your dorm room and hop on your bike and all of a sudden you're in the rattlesnake wilderness. And of course, every day of the week people are going, but it became difficult when I was taking accounting class and economics and forest ecology and Darn yeah. school gets you in the get, way. You got to sit in the library and the mountains are right outside your door. But it was some incredible riding in that rattlesnake wilderness area. And So you did leverage it, though, for some riding while you're oh, out yeah. there? We rode a good bit and then took some trips down to Sun Valley. And But mainly, would you know, we didn't, I didn't have a car there, so we'd get on our bikes. And once I got there, I actually traded in my GT that I had in high school. An old red GT was Oakley stickers on it and you name it, but sold it to the kid across from me in the dorm room and went down to the Missoula bike shop and got a Kona and was able to keep that for three or four years. But in Missoula, it was great. We left, leave the dorm room and literally you're in the rattlesnake wilderness area in 10 minutes. It was less than a couple miles down the street, get on the sidewalk and go. And you know, the crazy part of Montana, Missoula is it's, it's wild outside of campus. There's bears that would come down and be on the middle of the field at night and you pull up to the parking lot and there's cougar warnings on the trees and you know it says family and family of cougars has been spotted you know use use caution and you know we'd be riding in the woods and you wouldn't see carcasses of deer like you'd ride over leg bones and stuff that have been freshly gnawed and you know we'd kind of look at each other and say well we probably don't need to stay here after dark because Lions probably watching us, but it was beautiful and totally wild and had a ton of fun riding there and meeting people too. You just leave the dorm and all of a sudden three or four people are riding out the, out the back door to go to Rattlesnake. Man, what a cool experience. I'm super jealous of that. And that was a year? That was 90, uh, one semester, fall of okay. 99, uh, and then came back to Athens spring of 2000 kind of get back into school and make sure I graduated on time. And Missoula is a beautiful place. It's probably a better place to visit than, than study. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And, uh, but no, even with all the, uh, crazy wildlife threats around that area, it's true backcountry. No, no, no bad things happened, right? It was all good. No, nothing crazy. We'd see deer and wildlife, but no, never saw a cougar or bear. When I was there, a bear came down on campus and one kid saw a, a cougar up on the hill. There was an M that you could walk to from campus, kind of famous zigzag pathway up. And you could walk there after class. People would run, sit up there in top, at top. But he saw one at night, kind of run around up there. But they were all over. There were some attacks even at Rattlesnake. And then Snowball, the ski snowboard location real close to Missoula, there was an attack and somebody got a skier and died, pulled him into a tree well of a evergreen. Oh, geez. A year before I got there. So they were there, but no, nothing crazy. Nobody got hurt. I think I tore an MCL snowboarding. Yeah. But was able to heal. No surgery, kind of scar tissue healed it up, but nothing serious. Nobody got hurt riding bikes or snowboarding or adventures. Sometimes, you know, a guy in the dorm would disappear for like two or three days, but <laughs> he'd be up in whitefish or near glacier camping and 
just didn't tell anybody because nobody had cell phones. And yeah, that was kind of like par for the course. It's like, oh, we can't get a hold of someone for a couple of days. Well, he's probably just having fun out in the good old outdoors adventuring. You know, <laughs> it's how it was back then. Um, so after college, after all that great experience, did you end up moving back? I mean, I, I would find it hard to be able to come back after that cool experience. It was It was tough to come back to Athens because then it was getting into – major classes junior year and so it was hard but we still found time to ride bikes and go see music and get out of there on time but after college i moved to i stayed graduated the spring of 2002 from georgia and then stayed in atlanta through the end of that year worked some construction jobs for a landscape installation I actually worked at rei for a little bit and well, that's cool home depot because the plan in the winter of 03, a bunch of us went out to Crystal Mountain near the Rainier National Forest and worked in the ski and snowboard shop, tuning skis and getting people set up for boots. So we still had a draw to the west. One of the guys from Missoula was there and three or four from Athens and got a house and all got a job the winter of 03. And we didn't bike out there because a lot of snow, but yeah, snowboarded a bunch and after that came back to atlanta and started real work working in the real life back to reality yes, real, real job construction and then they call those peter pans out west you know they never want to grow up and they just want to be uh skiing bike totally uh, homies you know just out in the mountain yep and you know working to for the lift pass yes but minimum, you, you you got out and said i need to go go back yeah min minimum wage didn't didn't work anymore and yeah came back and started after it but you know still had all my friends were back here in atlanta and a lot of them still into mountain biking three of them went to university of colorado in boulder and then michael who i talked about before went to the university of mississippi in oxford and there were some great trails down there that he would always go to so we all connected back in atlanta like oh three oh four oh five oh six and we would ride all the time and really enjoyed gotten into we got into street riding too and the term we kind of called it was urban assaults i like it you basically took your mountain bikes on some on-road urban adventures yeah got yelled at by <laughs> walkers or people when you have to get on the sidewalk or police cars would flash their lights at us and we'd be getting back at dark and said we needed reflectors and lights and that was that was summer of 06 and i like i said before i lived on northwood hills my buddy lived on cheshire bridge and we would leave one of our houses and head towards you know if we left cheshire bridge we'd go towards piedmont and head towards piedmont park and i mean the whole way through there you know you'd have to get on the sidewalk and time the lights time the green lights but if you came down piedmont and crossed 10th and Monroe at Smith's Old Bar, mm -hmm. you come flying down that hill and hardly have to pedal by the time you get up to the Botanical Gardens on Piedmont. That's a cruise. It wow. So fun. And going as fast as the cars would go and, you know, hop on the sidewalk and off. But outside of the Botanical Gardens, you know, there were a lot of trails through there and stairs and side walls that other bikers would ride and runners and dog walkers. So kind of formed some trails and fun hits through there that we would find and crazy Michael would always find a staircase to, 
to go down and jump and a lot of times go over the handlebars and <laughs> nobody ever got hurt. I think we called the paramedics once on our other buddy. Well, it's funny when you say all these like little side hits and little trails, there's a guy, I think I've talked about on the podcast before, Earl, who, who started Earl's Bike Shop, which unfortunately is closed down now. God rest its soul. Um, like a lot of bike shops are having a hard time, but um, he created a whole map. I can share it with you. Um, it's it's like a Google map where he marked every single little bit of single track that's in the city limits. That's like cutting between parks and different areas. And there's a ton of little side hit trails all throughout Atlanta. It's pretty, you know, they're all like, you know, not sanctioned, but everyone rides them and they're pretty cool. Like they call them, they call it rambling. You know, they go on these little adventures and, you know, yeah, you're hitting sidewalks and different things, but then eventually you get single track and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there were a lot of little connections and behind Piedmont Park, there was a storm sewer outfall that's now been taken away for a dog park, but there was a huge, I mean, it was a huge skate park slash half pipe that we'd go back through and then you know, hit the woods behind it and then you're back in the park and there were trails behind North DeKalb Mall. If we'd take North Druid Hills all the way to North DeKalb at 78 and we used to ride with this other kid. I don't know how we ran into him, but he could fly and he would take us on those trails and all of a sudden you'd be along Peachtree Creek and I mean, they were legit trails in the woods away from houses, away from the mall and, you know, it was, it was a ton of fun. That's cool. Yeah, there's just, I don't know if you've heard on one of my podcasts, I talk about these guys, the Huli Duro bros. They they still do that. They build these trails all around Roswell, Alpharetta, and they're all like connecting different areas and they'd be between shopping malls and stuff. And I've done some of them. They are gnarly and they just, no one would ever know. Like you'd look back there and you'd never think anything's back there, but there's a whole trail system. Totally, yeah. You'd leave the parking lot of the mall and all through the woods. A lot of fun stuff in, in the city. So you said um, you uh, had been pretty lucky on a bike up until this point. Have you had any uh, bad accidents on any of these rides ever? God, one was pretty bad down there, I'd say. With that kid that could fly, Eric, I think he would race. And we were going through. So on Houston Mill towards Clifton. I know that area very well. I went to high school. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah. You could take Houston Mill and cut off under that bridge and make it all the way to the Emory President's house, which also connects up back to Clifton along that creek. And now it's kind of been, they've got a suspension bridge and really cleared it out and made it great. But back then it was just a little single track. And I remember one time we were flying through there, going fast from a downhill and then flat track. And there was a fallen tree and I was on a, I think my Gary Fisher bike that I loved. And all of a sudden, Eric jumps the tree, Michael jumps the tree. And all of a sudden, I come and barely case the back of it with my back tire. And next thing I know, my cheek's rubbing the ground mm. and broke my sunglasses. And pretty sure I got a concussion, never diagnosed, but played eight years of high school football and had some dizziness there but that was as close as i've come to a concussion if i if i hadn't had one in, in football so that was a bad one and no broken bones luckily i mean i was 26 probably i think if i hit that now at 43 it'd be a different story with shoulders and ankles and wrists so yeah 
a little more resilient back in resilient the day. Resilient and, and limber. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, that sounded uh, like a pretty bad one. Um, we're out at Big Creek. I remember in the notes you said there was something that happened out here too. It was around the same time and more towards kind of the single track area. They, they still have them, I think. There were some sections. It'd be a log ride and a pine tree would be cut in half a little couple rocks to get up to it and then right across 15 feet or so and then back down the other side and all of us were out there and having fun doing it good we rode a lot so pretty comfortable with it and next thing i know i'm going up there and bike wobbles to one side my pedal is clipped in and can't get it out and there's a living pine tree next to the flat log ride and all of a sudden my whole right cheek scraped the pine bark all the way down to the ground with the clips oh. still connected and you know and i'm upside down with the bike on top of me and same thing i've probably gotten really hurt or broken something bad but all the friends ran, ran over there and then i got off laughing and then they kind of backed up a few steps two or three steps back and said oh man your face <laughs> and i don't even i don't think we had phones back then so or we did but didn't have them with us so I don't think I could see my face till I got back to the car, but there was a there was a rub from cheekbone to chin that I had to wear for like six months, and I, you know, there's still a little scar in the sunlight. So it was bad, but got lucky there also to not get hurt and just you know the scab healed, and everybody got a good laugh there nice. for a while. Priceless. I want to also talk about some of your excursions outside of this area, but before we do that, um, I saw, it looked like you did something pretty cool, you know, like in the bike industry, you know, I talked about a couple episodes ago, I went to a bike screening of this movie, um, that recently got released at a brewery, Gate City Brewery that Rambo, the people that put on Big Creek did. It was really awesome. You did one of these. Yeah, that was, it was the spring of 2008 and you know before we'd go ride yargo everybody would meet at somebody's house and we'd get pumped and watch a mountain biking film and then hop in the cars and go so we were into the collective movies they had already released one and then next thing we knew seasons a mountain biking film was coming out and they had a tour you know like they do now from california down to florida but we bought the rights to have that screening. I don't remember how much it was, 500 bucks, 600. And they sent us a bunch of gear and all of a sudden we had to find a place to screen it because we were on the hook. So we scrambled around town and then kind of zeroed in on Sweetwater Brewery. Which they were pretty small at that time, weren't they? Yeah, it was not many other places around and kind of the only microbrew slash spot. It was still down on otley avenue but is not as expensive as it is now it's just that one little building and four or five bats coming out of the ceiling now it's almost half a mile of stuff but we went down there and approached them and they had not done a movie screening before and we hadn't either and we talked like we did and <laughs> next thing we know they were on board and i think we set up tickets for 25 dollars. you could get a pint glass and two beers and 
I think we went to a couple festivals, Inman Park, Candler Park, and we'd set up a table and talk to people and sell tickets at those events. And our buddies came and friends around town. So that was a big crew. And then those events helped sell tickets. And we went to Outback Bikes. Atlanta. Which has a shop you mentioned. Is that I've never been there. Is that they're still around, I think. Yeah, still around down in Little Five Points, Euclid Avenue, and they were great. We bought two or three bikes from them and so nice to you know buy them from them or most people now it was free tune-ups for life so wow we would ride our bikes and have them go adjust the derailleurs and brakes but you know all of a sudden we had we had a big show to put on it at Sweetwater and got a few sponsors Toyota came and a few others and all of a sudden it was sold out and then we were like how are we gonna get a movie screen and I don't remember how we did it, but did a few test runs. Maybe a friend had it and it worked out. It was an awesome spring afternoon and like downtown companies came. I remember like KPMG and some of the big accounting firms would come and, you know, there were probably a couple hundred people there and showed the film as, as the sun went down so you could see it. And it was a funny deal with Sweetwater. They didn't know what to do with the movie screening. We didn't either. And we were like, well, let's just split the cost of the tickets or, you know, people buy more beer. Y'all keep that. And we'll get, we'll get half the ticket sales and the sponsors. And the next it thing. Sounds like you made it like made your money back in tenfold. Like that, that sounds insane. It was, it was awesome. It worked. We kind of rolled the dice and, and it worked. It, it made some money. And, you know, at the end of the night, I think the guy was Steve or so. And, one of the managers were like, what are we going to do now? And everybody had cash back then. It wasn't credit cards or Venmo at the door. And, you know, all of a sudden there was a couple thousand, three thousand dollars, I think, in the back room at Sweetwater. And <laughs> he just split it up in three ways to me, my buddy Michael and Mike. And, you know, we laughed all the way home at 26 years old. And, you know, after that, they kept doing it year after year. They did another mountain biking film. And then I know Warren Miller films were done after that and kind of still done as far as i know so that was kind of the first outdoor screening that is so cool that is so cool especially how it's just like all ad hoc and you guys literally just were trying to do it by the fly the seat of your pants and it just kind of like came together what a cool uh cool experience definitely it's a lot of fun and good to experience that and you know met a lot of people that we didn't know about then that all rode around town and in town and the local trails. Yeah. So tell me about, um, so we've talked about, you know, the Georgia area of trails, that scene, we've talked about Montana and your experience out West, anywhere else, um, you've ridden, uh, that you wanted to talk about in particular. Yeah. My, my buddy, Michael, I still go with a lot. His brother lives in San Francisco and still does. And even that next year, October of 2009, flew out to San Francisco and the plan was to, you know, stay with him, visit Tommy and see San Francisco and rode through Haight-Ashbury and just on some of Tommy's bikes. And then the next day, the thought was to go rent bikes at San Francisco Bike Shop. And we got two awesome Marin dual suspension bikes. Neither of us had ridden before. And Tommy wrote up this map and highlighted this and that, that he had done a number of times and we went and parked at Marin Headlands and the plan was to ride up to Muir Beach and then Muir Woods and then come back through 
you know, somebody's farm. And then all of a sudden back at the parking lot and we didn't get back to the parking lot until like nine o'clock at night. Oh, geez. But that sounds like a day. It was incredible. I mean, right along the Pacific ocean down to Mir beach. I mean, it was, it was an incredible place. And that's one spot I would love to go back and take my wife and friends and kids. And it is just a spot to see. And, you know, kind of the beginnings of bicycling. That's where it all started. Mar- up Marin. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that same trip, the next day, we went down to Skeggs Point, which was towards Santa Cruz. And, you know, the redwood trees are all through there. And that's like the southernmost tip of the redwoods. And I've been there, but I've never biked there. I love seeing the redwoods, like traveling there with family. I wish I could have biked when I was there because it looks incredible. I think we kept the bikes for two days. So we had those same awesome Marins and you know, had a, had a map there too from Tommy, but rode through the redwoods and it was like, we were all sudden in star Wars, just in the middle of nowhere and beautiful country and finished up there and went down to Santa Cruz and had a piece of pizza and drove back to San Francisco and such a cool area. Another spot. I'd love to go back and spend some time Santa Cruz and San Francisco. Yeah. That whole area of California is pretty awesome. Expensive, expensive area, but sweet place to visit yep yep and then i see uh here too this is how i know you're old school mountain biker because nowadays everyone talks when they when you think about north carolina people think about oh pisgah dupont all these bike parks but when you talk to the old school mountain bikers those weren't really popular or much didn't exist much to that everyone talked about Solly. Solly was the place back in the day to go mountain bike in north carolina mountains that that was a spot that was like the next mecca that michael and i talked about and which i haven't been because i got back into mountain biking later in life after i did it when i was a kid so i never got a chance to go but now no one talks about it because i think kind of like we talk about yellow river being underserved and not really taken care of. I think that's what happened oh, to Solly. Wow. And it's like, people don't really go there as much. And now everyone goes to Pisgah. Right. Wow. I, yep. It was, it was probably 2009, 10 also. And we went for a, a day and camped the night before. And oh, I remember camping on a, we'd camped on a trout hatchery. Mm. So it was the fall. Also, I remember them playing football games. Like I had a little two way TV and, caught some trout, ate them for dinner, got up early the next morning and drove over to the Sali trailhead. And I don't remember how many miles it was, but it was gorgeous too. You get up on top of some of those ridges and you're looking down on Fontana Lake and that's the beginnings of Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, So totally gorgeous area, part of North Carolina and winded our way down and finally got to Fontana and sweaty and tired and took off our shoes and jumped in Fontana Lake and something I'll never forget and a great memory and ride and just experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I see one last point, the bears. <laughs> yeah, I got to hear about the bears. So this was, they're there, they're all over and went close to there not long after that near Panther town which I don't know if it's well-kept now or people still go to Panther Town area. I haven't Carolina. heard about it much, no. It's close to Cashiers. Oh, yeah, okay. So we actually rode through Cashiers. Four of us went, Brandon, my buddy, 
Michael and then Mike and rode through Cashers, got a bunch of ribs at that corner store barbecue and filled up our cooler. That was the dinner that night, but parked at a, I think drove up a forest service road, parked your car, you know, a little parking place for everybody to either hike, bike, camp in. Anyway, we had our backpacks on our bikes and rode down to a campsite along another creek and a couple of the guys were up ahead, Michael and all, and Mike, I think, saw him. All of a sudden, a black bear and a little cub run across the trail and kind of look back and then go up the hill. And then they turn around and just say, we saw a bear, we saw a bear. So we're, you know, know they're there. And all of a sudden, we, we get down to the lowlands where the creek is and the campsite was that we were going to. And all of a sudden, it's just like there's bear scat everywhere you look and, you know, footprints and... <sighs> We had ribs and like sauce and extra pork and buns and like all of a sudden, you know, we're cooking, making a fire and eating that and drinking beer and whiskey too. And next thing we know at nine o'clock, you know, there's, there's a lot of bears through there. I don't know how many per mile, but you know, several per mile. So we have to go and say, what are we going to do with all this food and ribs and <laughs> leftovers so of course we took it into one of the tent bags and i think michael and i went 100 yards down the creek and pulled it up in a tree 20 feet in a tree but you know nobody slept that night because you could hear them cracking leaves nobody saw them that night or no more run-ins but except the ones that they saw coming in but they they were there and we just had to be careful but fun experience got up that morning and then rode panthers town and Brandon had his dog with us, old Sammy, and he ran the trails with us the whole time. Um, but probably 10, 12 miles, maybe a little more, and then back to the campsite, packed up our tents, put on our backpacks, and and rode out of there and got to the car, laughing the whole way back about ribs and barbecue sauce That's all over our face at night. Classic. Oh, my gosh. So good. Well, I have to say, I got to pause here for a second because this is kind of blowing my mind. So folks, to put it in perspective, Scott's been on this brethren text chain for quite a while. And we have this funny saying going on right now where they're culling the herd and they're talking about all these guys that aren't chiming in on the text thread or aren't coming to group rides. You know, we're going to start having to kick people off. Little did I know, first off, I feel like I mean, I'll let you come up with your own nickname. I have nicknames for everyone, but I feel like it should be like the silent assassin or the mystery man, because I never would have guessed there was someone on this text chain that really, I know you've been on a couple of group rides I've missed and a couple of things here and there, but I really haven't heard about you much or in the group. And yet I feel like you have more mountain bike history than any of these guys on this text chain and you've done it more than anyone else. It's, and I know you've had, we'll talk about your life lately. You've been busy. You got some new twin girls or uh, twins in your life, but um, it's amazing. Like your stories, you have chock full and you've been biking. Like most of us have bought bike mountain bike when we were kids and we stopped and then we started up, you know, wanting to get healthy again or whatever. You've been like consistently into biking like your whole life. It seems like. It's 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 a lot of fun. I like to stay under the radar and let the bike talk or in football, you know, <laughs> score a touchdown and flip the uh, ball to the ref. No celebration, but that's your style. It's you sit in the sidelines and watch and giggle and laugh and yep. and uh, and see it from afar. 
but I have been in it a long time. Little BMX bikes growing up with the white spoke covers and we'd run through the neighborhood and where my parents still live and call ourselves the Goonies and just ride all over town. And, you know, dad was into it. Mom has a bike now. They you know, always would go on beach vacations. And that was the big thing down to St. Simon's is my sister, brother, and mom and dad go, you know, wrench beach cruisers and cruise the island. And it, we did it out in Sonoma too. One of my cousins that I've ridden here at Big Creek with got married out there and we all took a little bike tour from winery to winery, um, laughing the whole way. And my brother's wife, Hunter was with us too. So it's kind of a big part of our family and enjoy it so much just with the activity and, you know, with the brethren and Steven and getting to know people, it's such a way to build a community and bring like-minded people together in business, physical activities, and, you know, just having fun, get away from the world and let, let time stop for a little bit when you're in the woods. Yeah. I, um, uh, I'm looking at your uh, bike. You got a pretty sweet, um, specialized stump jumper. Um, but you've had quite a history of bikes. <laughs> like you talk about that BMX bike, your first bike, you talked about the GT. What, what was, so what was your first full suspension bike? The first full suspension is actually this specialized because the one you have now mm -hmm. is, so up until then you've always had hardtails yes i had a gary fisher ghd hardtail it was like a dirt jumping bike big marzuki forks on the front and that's what we would take all over atlanta those urban assaults and to yargo after college and i had that thing up until three four years ago or less maybe I got the specialized in 19. So yeah, just three years. I sold it to one of the colleagues at work that rides uh, a lot and he sold it to him and gave it to his son. But that bike was awesome. Bought it from Outback and they would service it and take care of it. And this was the first full suspension, this specialized. And that had to be a big jump too, because bike geometry changed, the technology, the one by all the different things. Totally. It was like all of a sudden you're riding a dirt bike in the, <laughs> in the woods and feel no pain on a, the back side. So this was the first one and I love it and been fun riding it. And yeah, it feels like, totally feels like a dirt bike in the woods. That's cool. And you, uh, you got your wife a gift that is, seems like a gift for, for, for you as well. Yes, <laughs> totally. And spring of 20 after all the craziness and before the bike prices skyrocketed and stock fell we were you know i always loved bikes she liked them she had ridden yargo with me on that's my... pretty impressive by the way i can't get my wife to do mountain biking she'll <laughs> ride on a on a greenway but she draws a line on dirt she still talks about it i went with her and my buddy steve shaw uh, he borrowed my bike she rode my mom's you know and unfortunately she was lagging behind us so all of a sudden every time she caught up also, we'd have to go again. So she didn't get a break. So she still talks about that. But we bought her a Trek EX8 from the Atlanta Cycling in mm -hmm. April of 20. And it was a awesome. It was a small frame. I'm five seven and a half with shoes on. And I'd never had a 29-inch wheel before. This specializes 27 and a half. So that was a small frame, 29-inch wheel. And that thing maneuvered like a dirt bike. It was so tight and maneuverable, but the big tires and 
that was an incredible bike. She loved it. We loved it. And I should have kept it, but I did trade it in not too long ago for another, but not sure about that deal. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, you mentioned like motorbikes. So you also rode motorbikes? Yeah. Now, bikes. yeah, I have a Suzuki 250 and growing up, dad and all my friends, my birthday was around when the Supercross guys would come through the dome and Fulton County Stadium in like 97 and 98 when it was still ridden there. So I was just always so into motorcycles and dirt bikes and followed that industry. And we'd go every single year and then obviously switch to the dome and then had since been the Mercedes since they've shown it there. But such a similar industry and love to ride a dirt bike translates so well with the line and the rocks and ruts and you know getting your weight back going downhill it's just a fun fun sport and would love to ride more the dirt bike it's just a commitment to go you know down to durham town hour and a half away or north georgia there's iron mountain where i realized was like less than 10 miles from where y'all rode before Christmas. Yeah, Jake and Bowl. It's, it's and in Bull. that Dahlonega area, which actually it's funny you say that because I've been looking at Iron Mountain because I'm big into land cruisers and I'm a part of this off-road club. I don't do it much anymore, but um, they've been trying to find a park to go off-road and they also allow trucks there. And I've never been there, but here it's pretty sweet. I would go there. When we had ridden, um, I actually rode with TJ there and Steve. Uh, there were Jeeps following each other, FJ Cruisers. And there's some unbelievable outlooks on top of some of those hills that look down over, you know, valleys you can see for five miles. It's beautiful. So we rode there a couple times and then I hit some North Georgia trails up by Nottily Lake and, you know, on a 230 pound dirt bike in a rainy day going straight up. It's a little tricky mm-hmm. than a bike. You yeah. Know, you almost have to feather the clutch to make it work like traction control and i wasn't that experienced i probably got my first dirt bike in like 14 had a honda and then got the suzuki but you know i had to turn around it was like it's too slick and too dangerous and not worth it at 34 years old to get hurt yeah i've been avoiding dirt bikes just for that very reason they've <laughs> seen a lot of friends get really hurt on them. yeah I mean, <laughs> it's it another level total caution there yeah, well, I knew there had to be a connection with Stephen Murray and the Murray brothers and that whole group because uh, I was like, surely there's some other connection, and there is. I see CrossFit. Yeah, yep. That was, you know, a huge part of my life and still is, still kind of trained with it. But Do you still work out with those guys? Not to the gym. Yeah. You know, still connect with a good bit of them and see them and just have a setup now in my basement since – you know, sold it two and a half years ago in the summer of 21, but still love the methodology and the, you know, how it got me ready for everything outside the gym. So my brother and I got into it in 2013 when it started right by Q barbecue mm-hmm. on Peachtree industrial. And my brother kept saying, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come. He was in the fitness and still is. And actually does a podcast down in Florida on nutrition and coaching. Oh yeah. Shout him out. What's the podcast? You know, he, he just does it. uh, 
You know the name of it? It's he's got a company Enrive, and it's it's Live Fit. Enrive is the company, and they actually have a granola out now, no sugar, paleo, gluten free for kids and you cool. know, athletes. You know, every all of a sudden everybody grabs a Cliff Bar that's got like more sugar in it than a Coca Cola, mm-hmm. and you know he was tired of that, so they developed that, and he coaches. He's part of a organization, DLP, too. They invest money in apartments and take investors and re- return it after a couple of years. But, you know, all these people, you know, at 65, 70, were investing a lot of money. And they say, well, we, we want to enjoy the, you know, last section of our life till we're 90. But we're not able to go on hiking trips or walk. So he now is able to take them a couple individually and guide them through some nutrition what to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then how to, you know, he's not telling them how to work out anymore at the CrossFit gym, but he's, you know, showing them what to do to live a better fit, healthy lifestyle. Um, But in 13, we started going, and then the two guys that owned it moved, moved out of town, one to Tennessee and another to South Atlanta. His wife was a dentist, and he was an accountant, so my brother and I bought it and owned it for 60 years, and actually met my wife there and you know once i got into it and was hooked i would run soap creek a lot just for fun to get out in the woods and all of a sudden i'd go run those hills and it's like after doing all that strength training long heavy duration weight training short and fast burst i wasn't tired anymore and it was like wow this really works and you know we trained that way in high school football but it wasn't that intense and I never saw it have that effect minus, you know, being, we were a good football team, but all of a sudden individually you run up a big hill. Usually they're huffing and puffing and your back hurts and similar thing on a mountain bike. I wasn't getting tired anymore. And my, my buddies were grabbing the tree at the top (laughs) of the hill for a long time. And it was, you know, unbelievable way to build anaerobic and aerobic pathways. And it's just a, I still love to do it in my basement. I wish I had more time, but those twins and running, you know, helping run my dad's custom construction company, it's it's easy just to hit 30 minutes in the basement and be done. But I still love to do it and try to do it every day when I can and, you know, helps you mountain bike, feel better, sleep better. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, met Stephen there and Josiah and David and wife had gone to grammar school with Stephen at Providence. So there was a connection there already but you know great group of people and great community also that's really a great way to be better at dirt biking playing basketball you name it yeah it's amazing how it came full circle too like how all the connections kind of bring you full circle to the group and i'm just super pumped that you spoke up and were like hey you know i'm here i'd love to talk to you and and when i saw that email come through i was like whoa this guy has done a lot of biking all over the place so i was super excited to talk to you about it it's just uh, just epic stuff thank you I i mean yeah it was the new year's day inspiration and you know probably my brother patrick and his podcast and love to tell stories and talk and it's been a big part of my life and knew it was really important to you josh and taking time to do the podcast it's interesting i've listened to most of them and laugh and hear stories and you know josiah and some of the guys i've ridden with talk and no it's interesting and good way to spread the joy and have a little fun 
Well, I hope this uh, new year you you uh, come on some more rides with us. I mean, you're starting today by doing a fun uh, Friday party laps at Big Creek, which we like to do from time to time. Um, so hopefully we can do more of this type of stuff. Definitely. I love it. And that's a good, that's one of the goals for 24. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's awesome. Anything else uh, we forgot to talk about or anything else you wanted to share? Cause that was a pretty awesome rundown in my book of, uh, the, the top to bottom. Yeah. Only last thing, probably a shout out to my wife, Alex, you know, every time I get a text or somebody's going, you know, I said, I think about going, I might be able to make it. And she just like drops what she's doing, looks me in the eyes and says, you got to go. And I went to her for being here today. And some of those 7am rides with Steven when the sun's coming up and it's like, you get back from that and your, your life's changed. You know, you walk a little lighter and you're refreshed, totally refreshed and you know, time stops. So big shout out to her and appreciate her support and let me do what I love with that. And everything else that's awesome to have i mean i i have the similar thing my wife's really supportive of it um as opposed to maybe some other hobbies that aren't as quite healthy for you um she really encourages me so that's awesome that you have that um and it's true like it does mentally help and physically help you be a better person when you're at home with the family and stuff it's it's really positive so well we're out here watching these guys rip uh hollywood which by the way i don't know if you noticed but i can't do what they're doing that is some insane skills they're hitting these gap jumps and everything table topping it's definitely giving me some motivation to to ride and i know you are and i am freezing our tails (laughs) off it is cold out here and if you hear shivers in our voice it's because i made us do this outside but what a better way to hear hubs grinding in the background on a podcast so we're going to end it here folks um as always thank you for listening uh and Go out and search for your ultimate Narvana. Now get.